Who is this guy, Jesus? Maybe he was just a fraud or a big liar. Or maybe he was a crazy lunatic just broken from reality. Even in biblical times, the people were continually asking each other, Who is this guy? But he knew. He knew exactly who he was and proclaimed it over and over. So let's debunk those myths about Jesus that have built up over time and find out what the Bible really has to say about his authentic, uncorrupted, and everlasting identity as the Son of Man. That's today on the podcast. Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. Today we continue the second installment of the sermon series called Bootleg Jesus, How to Know If Your Faith Files Have Been Corrupted. And Pastor Jason is going through these myths that have been created and built up over the years, one at a time, to uncover the true, uncorrupted truth about who Jesus really is. So let's check it out right now. We're in our second week of this series called Bootleg Jesus, How to Know if Your Faith Files Have Been Corrupted. Now this assumes that you know what it is to have purchased and downloaded pirated goods. So you may not relate. But you know, I remember as a college kid, I'm like, dude, I could get like the whole Adobe suite for like six bucks. On this, you know, site, you know, Microsoft or, you know, whatever, like the fake, right? And you download the software uh, or, you know, maybe it was a movie. You really wanted that movie uh, that is still in theaters, you know, and you you download it uh, to your device. But then what happens over time is that sometimes you make the download and you accidentally download other stuff with it. The files are corrupted, or maybe the definition's not quite right. Some guy stands up for popcorn in the middle of the movie you're watching. Or, or your software eventually crashes your system, and you wake up, and you turn your computer on, and you get the blue screen of death, and you know what, exactly what's happened, and you sob uncontrollably. And, of course, the only fix is, well, you have to re-download the original files, the uncorrupted files. You have to hit reset, and re-download things as it should be. And I think that there is a correlation with what a lot of people believe about Jesus. Is that I think over time, quite accidentally, what has happened is many Christians believe things about Jesus that I don't know where they picked it up, but they picked it up from somewhere. And, And I think this happens like maybe from pop culture, maybe from even other teaching that we got that wasn't 100% correct. And that's the thing, as a, as a preacher, that's the scariest thing to me, is that if I ever accidentally give you something that's wrong, and then, you know, you, that stays with you as a corrupted file, oh my gosh, that terrifies me. So I want to make sure that I get it right as best I can. Um, but what happens is we start believing things, and here's what happens with the corrupted files of Jesus, is that we get a version of Jesus that isn't true. Not exactly true. And then when we need them the most, maybe we're going through a difficult time or maybe we have a crisis or a crisis of faith, we rely on that Jesus and it's like a house of cards. It crumbles. Why? Because that's not the real Jesus anyway. That's the kind of corrupted file version of Jesus. So what we're doing this month is we're going through and looking at what are the common corrupted files that a lot of Christians walk around with? And maybe we can address them 
and re-download the uncorrupted file. We, we started with a question last week, and this was uh, based off the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. If you missed it, by the way, if you missed it now, you can get video sermons uh, through our app, uh, the Tower of Church app, so you can watch, uh, you know, have trouble sleeping, pop on that video right off, right off the Z-land. No melatonin, not, just right off to sleep. So, <laughs> but uh, we started with a question that was based off that movie, and that is, who is this guy? Who is this Jesus that we keep seeing? And this was the reaction Jesus got all the time. It was, we, he's doing and saying things that we have never seen or heard before. Who is this guy? Who does he claim to be? Who is he really? And what does it mean to us? This is really the question behind the question. The question that is the foundation of this entire sermon series. Who is Jesus? And so we also looked at the first two most common corruptions that have everything to do with what did the original followers of Jesus really believe? And so corruption number one is, well, there's no evidence outside of the New Testament about what the earliest followers of Jesus believed. And then the second one, which was made popular by the Da Vinci Code, which I love that book, I don't get it, but people forgot it was fiction, um, that Jesus' divinity wasn't decided until the year 325 at the Council of Nicaea. So, in other words, the followers of Jesus didn't even believe that he was God until 300 years after the resurrection. And both of those, we said, if you're interested in both of those, go back and listen to the message, but... If, if you ever see Mythbusters, say Mythbusted, right? I mean, there is absolutely no evidence to support either of these two corruptions. And while I want to share with you the third one today, which is, okay, uh, if that's true about the followers of Jesus, still, what if Jesus never really claimed to be God, but he was sort of like misrepresented, right? So if we could trust that the Bible says what the earliest Christians believed, Okay, let's take another step backwards and say, well, did the claims that Jesus make actually line up with that, or was he misrepresented? Was it like the telephone game? And he said one thing, and then over a little while, then all of a sudden it was exaggerated, and then, oh yeah, he's, he's really God. That maybe Jesus never really claimed to be God. I've heard this a lot, actually. I've heard people make this argument. And maybe you've had this in your conversation, or maybe you feel the same way. So like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think... I don't think he really meant for all this. And I would say, in a way, they're right. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to make possible a relationship. That's another sermon series. Anyway, the idea is that he, he was exaggerated over time, or that he was misrepresented, that he said something and someone you know, got it wrong. So let's take a look at that. First, let's go right to John chapter 10. This is the Gospel of John about what did Jesus actually claim? The Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Now, Pay very close attention to this next part because, remember, Jesus was an educated rabbi. He knew exactly what he was saying and what it meant. And he says this. 
I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Why would they do that? Because they saw the blasphemy. They saw he's claiming to be God. And that was the penalty, was death. So they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? I love that's awesome. Love it. We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. If you read the Gospel of John, and I hope that you have, and if you haven't, if you've never read the Bible before, the Gospel of John's a great place to start. But if you've read the Gospel of John, you know that in, throughout the whole Gospel, it's very, very clear what Jesus is claiming. He is claiming to be one with the God of the Israelites, the same God. He is God in the flesh. He is God. 100%, and you know his claim is to be God. But I will say this, there is room for skeptics to insert their skepticism here because of when John's gospel was written. So let's unpack that. Let, let me share with you what they say about this passage. They say, well, this passage can't really be, the gospel of John can't be trusted completely. And here's why. If you go to the next slide, so the Gospels, they actually were not the first books of the New Testament that were written. The first books of the New Testament that were written closer to the crucifixion are the letters of Paul. He's responding in real time to the, what's going on in churches as they're figuring out, okay, Jesus rose from the dead. What does that mean for our lives? Those were the first ones written. They predate the Gospels. And some people... You know, when you go to seminary and you start learning some of this, like you pull the curtain back on the wizard, for some people, it destroys their faith. They can't handle it. Wait a minute, that's not what I was taught. That's, for me, it did the opposite. I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, give me more. Give me the truth, because I think Jesus can handle it. <laughs> and in fact, it grew my faith to learn all this stuff about church history and about how this stuff came, came to pass. But... If you look at, at the dates of the Gospels, so the first Gospel that was written was Mark, around the year 67, so that's some 30 years after. Uh, Matthew and Luke were written around 85, and John was written in 95. So what people, skeptics say is, look, that's 60 years after the resurrection, therefore, they had all this time to kind of perfect the story of Jesus, and maybe that's not really the most accurate version. Maybe the telephone game happened, and Jesus was somehow misrepresented. Okay, I think that's an interesting point. And, and so let's take that point seriously for a moment, if, if that's true. Does the fact that there was time in between change anything? So let me say this. If you were hanging out with your friends, and you had this amazing experience together. Something happened with all of you that was life-changing. You probably wouldn't feel the need to chronicle that story and give it to those friends who experienced it with you. Why? Because you don't need to. 
You shared the experience. Who's the story for? So the people coming after you. So I want my kids to know the story. I want my grandkids to know this story. To me, it makes logical sense that it took a while for the Gospels to be written because they weren't needed. It, it wasn't needed among those first church people. They knew what happened. Most of them were there. But more than that, I think when it comes to Jesus, it's the only uh, arena where this question's asked. Here's why. Many consider D. Harlan Wilson's biography of Hitler to be the most accurate ever. When was it written? 2014. Most accurate. In fact, um, it's been called the biographer's biography. It's so good. Except Hitler died in 1945. This guy wasn't hanging around with Hitler. That's some 70 years after. How could it be the most accurate? That's impossible. You see where I'm going with this? It's not the time that's the problem. It's, did you interview the eyewitness accounts? Do you have enough of the original source information to put the pieces together and to tell the story? All right. So, okay, let's take for a minute. All right, well, Gospel of John, that's the last one written. So let's go back to the earliest one written. Let's go back to the Gospel of Mark. This actually was our scripture from last week about uh, when the friends lowered the paralyzed man down through the roof for Jesus to heal. I really want to find out what happened, like, <laughs> who, who paid for the roof, you know? <laughs> or did Jesus just go, whoa, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Things pastors think about. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Again, Jesus was an educated rabbi. He knew exactly what he was saying, that only God alone could say your sins are forgiven. And this is exactly how the teachers of the law respond. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And then uh, the next verse is from Mark 14, where Jesus is under trial. For what? Blasphemy. This is what the historical record says. Jesus was tried for blasphemy. In other words, because he was claiming to be God. But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. Now, um, if you've been with us a while, I talk about this a lot. The I am sayings of Jesus. When he says this, remember, he knew exactly what he was saying. He's echoing the same grammatical structure that God did from the burning bush when he told Moses, I am. He's using the same exact structure. So when he says, I am, he's not just responding to the question. He's more than that. He's declaring who he believes he is. And then he doubles down on that. He says, and you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why? Because that's what they did in the face of blasphemy. He, they rend their garments out of disgust for what they just heard. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. Who is this guy? According to Jesus, he is the I am. The son of man. Interesting about son of man. It's a weird term for us. Um, it was probably a weird, weird term back then. It comes from uh, the prophet Daniel. It comes from this prophecy that he had 
where he said he saw a vision and someone like a son of man descends from heaven to come and be the Messiah and save us all. So Jesus clearly was identifying with himself as Messiah. It was his favorite way of describing himself in the Gospels. Interesting. He, it's used 80 times. Why is that? Well, some scholars believe that it may have been a bit of a code. That Jesus, instead of referring to himself as Messiah, was referring to himself as the Son of Man, which meant the same thing, but it, it would attract less negative attention from the teachers of the law. In fact, there's a moment in Scripture where the disciples figure out he's the, the Messiah, and he tells them, don't tell anybody. The thinking is, if he would have declared that sooner, he may have been executed sooner, and it wasn't the right time. So here's the thing about corruption three. There is absolutely no evidence to suggest that Jesus never claimed to be God. It, it is overwhelming. It's not even close. There's no shred of evidence that he didn't claim to be God, or that his words were exaggerated over time, or that he was misrepresented. I, the good news is, then we can trust, again, we can trust what the scripture says about what Jesus claimed and what his followers believed. That still doesn't get us all the way to faith, but at least we could trust that that's an accurate description of what he claimed and what his disciples believed. They think maybe, well, well, so what? So what? Okay, great. So basically, you just told me over the last two weeks, trust the Bible. So what? What does that mean for me? Well, let's say, for example... You come into my office one day, and God forbid, you need brain surgery. And I say, hey, good news. I've been taking an online class. <laughs> yeah, good news. I'm a brain surgeon. And you know what? We could forego the insurance. I'll just do it right here. <laughs> we could do it today. It'll be super cheap. <laughs> now, your response would be, probably much more aggressive than what you just gave me. You would think, like, I please, Lord, let him be kidding because he's insane. Or he really is, but oh my gosh, how? Why would they ever let that happen? How'd they ever let him get accredited? Now, if, if it were me, I know I would need a few things before I said, yeah, go ahead, operate on my brain. Like, first of all, I would need some evidence. Please show me that you are a practicing surgeon who can operate on my brain. Like, I want to see where you work. Is this like a real medical thing? Are you in a shed in someone's yard? I want evidence that you are practicing what you claim to be. Then the next thing I would want is I want some credentials. I don't want it from like online university of neurosurgeons. I really hope that doesn't exist. <laughs> Watch, I get a lawsuit for like defamation or something. So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I want the credentials. I want to make sure like you've been to an accredited place, you've been trained properly, you have all the paperwork to back up that you can do this. You actually have some authority that has been bestowed upon you to do this. That's what I want to see. And then the third thing is, I want to hear from everybody who lived after you operated. Like, I want some testimonials. I want people to tell me. And then, maybe, that's a big maybe. I just don't know. But then I might let you 
operate. I think this gets back to what we believe about Jesus based on who he claimed to be, the evidence that exists, the authority or credentials that he has, and the testimonials from people who've had an experience with him. And it's up to us to decide if we're going to let him operate. If he's going to operate on our hearts and remove the sin that has gotten in the way of our relationship with God, to remove the brokenness, to restore us into the people that we are created to be, to live in the freedom of the truth. Now, based on all of this, there are really only three options. It's the same three options that that I would have if you were coming to me and I said I could do brain surgery. Either, Either Jesus is a fraud, right? And he's just not who he claims to be. Or he's crazy, like legit crazy. He thinks he's God. He is a lunatic. Now, in either of these two options, notice that for a lot of people, because I've heard a lot of people say this, they say it all the time, it's, well, I go to church because I want to be a better person. Or I go to church because I want my kids to learn about morals. I, I love Jesus because he was a great moral teacher. He's a great moral example. If you just think about that for just give me 20 seconds, how does that make any sense? If he's a fraud, how's he a moral example? If he's a lunatic, how's he a moral example? Those don't work. That's never an option that we get. He either is fraud, lunatic, or he is who he says he is. He's the I am. He is the son of man. He is the Messiah. And you might still be deciding on which one of those, and that's okay. That's okay. Listen, church isn't about everybody's got it all figured out, including myself. It's not. That's not real church. That's not real people. We don't have it all figured out. That's okay. It's okay to be exactly where you are. But I don't think God wants to leave us there. I think he wants us to move forward. And so you might not be ready to answer this question, but I'll I'll guarantee you one thing. Someday, you're going to need the surgery. You're going to need the surgery. And the longer you wait, the longer you live being unhealthy, being not quite right, being afflicted, And I trust that you will trust in the real Jesus, not the bootleg Jesus, but the I am, the one who was and is and is to come. Amen.